Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are a Bible-based church out of Peterborough, Canada, and together we are on a mission to reach people who are far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. You know, our tongue is a powerful weapon that can be used for good or evil. And in this message today, we'll be reminded about the impact of our words and challenged to scream what comes out of our mouth before the damage is done. Pastor Nick is bringing it now with part five from our book of James series called The Power of the Tongue. Awesome. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you here today. We're in week five of a message series uh, in which we are looking at and walking verse by verse through the New Testament letter of James. As we said in the first couple of weeks, this particular letter is great, it's powerful. Uh, we believe that it was written by none other than the younger half-brother of Jesus. So Mary and Joseph had other children after uh, Jesus was born, and James was one of them. And we learned from Scripture in, the, I think, the first week uh, that James did not believe in his brother until after the resurrection. And James emerges as a leader, an instrumental leader, an elder in the early church, eventually giving his life, um, believing that his brother... Jesus was the Son of God. And, and his letter, it's, it's hard-hitting as we learned. I mean, it, it just keeps, he just like one, two, punch, punch, punch. He wants more than anything else for you and I, anyone who claims to follow Jesus, that our lives would reflect Jesus. That we would actually live out our faith in a way that is genuine and authentic. That we would become more like Jesus. That we would grow to maturity is another way to think of it. And much like any parent would want their kids to grow to become mature, stable adults, um, James is is highly concerned with us uh, becoming mature in our faith. And so today he's going to turn his attention in these 12 verses to our subject for today, which is the power of the tongue. Can we all say that together? The power of the tongue. Okay. You may not know this, but your tongue is extremely powerful. Obviously not in the physical sense. Okay. Um, I've heard it said that the tongue is the most powerful muscle in your body. You know, pound for pound. I actually researched that. Apparently it's not true. I don't know how they discovered that there are other muscles in your body that are stronger. I don't know if they had a little bench press in the guy's mouth trying to push against it. But your tongue is actually three to four inches long and it's made up of, comprised of eight different muscles. And those muscles are also intertwined in a way that allows your tongue to flap in every direction and to form shapes and all that stuff, which is pretty cool. The one interesting thing about the muscles in your tongue is this, um, that they are the only muscles in your body that are only connected on one end. Every other muscle is connected you know, from here to here, and when it contracts, it moves your arm. You know, it, that's what your muscles do. But the tongue's only connected on one end, which makes it unlimited in its ability to flap, which, as we're going to find out today, can be a very serious problem. Okay. Uh, also, have you ever noticed that your tongue never seems to get tired? You lift boxes all day, your arms get sore, your back, you're like, I need a break, my muscles are tired. But your tongue can just keep going and going. It's like the Energizer Bunny, it never stops. There's a couple of people just giving that little elbow, like, he's right, it's true. Some people treat their tongue like the game. You know there was a game called Flappy Bird? I don't know if anybody remembers that, what, 10 years ago. And you used to touch on the screen and the little bird would flap, and if you stopped touching the screen, he would crash, and the game would be over. And uh, some people treat their tongues like that, just constantly going, constantly going, never, never stopping. So the tongue is a powerful tool. Here's why. Because the tongue is actually a tool. You can go back one slide. The tongue is a tool. 
Uh, much like many other tools, it can be used for good or for evil, right? You can use a sword to kill people or to defend people. It depends on how you use it. And so the tongue is an extremely powerful tool that we can use in our arsenal. What makes the tongue so powerful isn't its flexibility in those eight muscles and what it can do, but rather the fact that the tongue allows us to, to communicate. That's what makes the tongue so powerful. We use our tongue to form words and sounds that communicate ideas, truths, lies to other people. And that is a great power. So the tongue is a tool. By the way, the tongue is the only tool that gets sharper with each and every use. Isn't that true? And so the tongue is this tool. Now, I also have to let you know before we move on that... At the time that James is writing this text about the power of the tongue, 99 point something percent of all communication was verbal. Okay? Uh, back in the, in the, the first century, they, they, they didn't, you couldn't go to the library and get a book. There was no podcast. There was no, uh, you know, uh, textbooks. You, if you went to school, you had a teacher that taught you verbally. If you had a contract, you, you would do it verbally. And on a few occasions, they would write things down and they had scrolls for the wealthy. But the general population, it was almost all verbal. Now, that's changed, hasn't it? Since the advent of the printing press some 500 years ago, we've been able to mass produce words which are extremely powerful and spread ideas all over the world. Now, with the uh, introduction of technology, we can now communicate words that have great power with our thumbs. So, whenever we're talking about the power of the tongue, I want you to also keep in mind the power of what we type, the the power of what we text, the power of what we tweet, and other T-words snapping, Instagram, whatever. Like, we communicate words and ideas to other people and they have great, great power. And everything that we're going to talk about today about the power of the tongue also includes what we write. You guys with me? Yeah, the better, the more responsive you are, the better I preach. I'm just telling you. So, if you want an A-plus sermon, join in with me. And it's going to be great. So, we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 18 to kick us off. And Solomon writes these words. He was considered one of the wisest people to ever live. The book of Proverbs is, is fantastic. He said this about words and the tongue. He said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That three to four inch little set of muscles in your mouth, attached on one end, flapping constantly, have the power to produce death or life. Notice the order he puts them in. It's not life and death. And we're going to find out from James that the order, if you go back um, to that the order of these words is actually really significant, that our tongues, by their very nature, will first and foremost produce this, death and destruction. If we don't learn to control them, and if we don't use them for the right purposes, they will cause a lot. So our words, okay, can produce death and life because our words have great power. And that's the next slide, so we'll throw that up. Our words have great power. And I would make the argument today that words are the most powerful force in the universe. You say, well, that's a pretty strong statement. Think about it. When the opening chapters of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And let me ask you a question. How did he create the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, everything that exists? Anybody know? He spoke. He put words out into the universe and everything came to be. And I want to also draw your attention to the fact, I mean, we see what's going on in Ukraine. That whole mess began with somebody opening their mouth and flapping some words. Showing ideas, saying, move the troops in. Like Words have great power. They influence everything in history. And, and I would also uh, make the point that, that our words have great power. Wars have been started and wars have been ended through what came out of people's mouths. So words have great power. I love this quote by, by Edward Lighton, And many of you have probably heard this before. The pen is mightier than the sword. 
Or you could say the tongue is mightier than the sword. And here's what's incredible. We would never send our kids to school with a sword. I think the teachers would send them home. That's just my guess, okay? We'd never send them to school with a sword. But all our children go to school every day, and we go to work every day, and we go into relationships every day. And guess what we have in our mouth? A tongue that has great power and can do great damage, right? And we've all felt the damage that words have done. Maybe I remember when I was a kid, people used to make fun of me sometimes, just like kids do. They're just nasty sometimes. And, and, and you'd pick it. You know, I had big bushy hair. It was uncontrollable. And they used to call me Jungle Head, and I hated it. And I would tell the teacher, they're calling me Jungle Head again. And you know what the teacher told me? I haven't heard anybody say this in a while. They said, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. In other words, it's like, ah, just let that go. Not a big deal. Like, if they hit you with a stick, then come talk to me. But if they call you names and belittle you, and it's fine. And we all know, the reason why nobody says that anymore is because it's not fine. You hit somebody with a stick, it'll leave a mark and a bruise and do some temporary damage to their body, which will heal. But words have a way of penetrating beyond our bodies into our souls and minds. And there's scar tissue in many people's hearts today from words spoken over them by a parent, by a coach, by a grandparent, by a friend who turned on them. And those words have great power, don't they? So we know, we all experience the power of encouraging words and the destruction of discouraging words. Words are powerful. They're, they're more powerful than nuclear warheads. Right? They're more powerful than guns. And, and here's one I think is important to talk about for a sec. Uh, words are actually causing more damage, I think, than COVID-19. As terrible as the past two years have been, and as terrible as the virus has been, taking lives, causing people to get ill, of course that's all serious and significant. But what's incredible to me is how over the last two years we've been so cautious to screen ourselves. We've got a little, we have screening tools, and you're all aware of the screening tools, right? You get up in the morning and you go... <clears throat> Do I have a sore throat? No. Do I have a fever? No. Uh, do I have chills? No. We could, go, we could go through the list, right? Do I have a sore throat? Do I have a runny nose? Um, are there symptoms that I might have a virus in my body that could do harm to others, right? And I think, it's, I think we can all agree this is a good idea. Screening our body for symptoms that we might be carrying a virus that could harm others. And so regardless of where you stand on all those things, I think we all want to be cautious. None of us want to bring a virus to school or to our friend's house. or So we screen our bodies, right? And we all become very, very keenly aware of the importance of screening ourselves for an invisible virus. Here's, here's where I'd like to challenge everyone. How often do we screen our words? And imagine if we were as vigilant about screening what comes out of our mouth and out of our fingertips as we were about screening for a virus. Because the words that we speak can harm just as many people, actually maybe even more, as we've been talking about the power of words. And what's been sad for me as a pastor is seeing over the last two years how many, how much damage has been done simply through words spoken. How many relationships have been severed because of disagreements about this and that. You know all the topics. Our words have great power. Power for death, well, for life, he continues in our text, uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will, what's this say? Let's say it out loud. That means that the words that you speak will have a way to come back to you. It's, it's this idea of sowing and reaping. You plant weeds, you're going to have weeds grow. If you speak death over your friends, death over your family, if you're constantly criticizing everybody, guess what's going to happen? That nastiness is going to come back on you. You're going to eat of the fruit of your words. There are a lot of people who come and say, you know, Nathan, I I want a better life. And where you need to start is with your tongue. 
Where you need to start is by monitoring what you're typing and putting out into the world because whatever you're putting out is going to come back to you multiplied. And so the author's like, hey, our tongue is so powerful. And by the way, your life, at least in some part, is a reflection of the words you've spoken and the things you have said and put out there. Is this helping anybody here today? All right. It's amazing. We've been so careful with COVID, so careless with our words for the past two years. I think, I think there's room for all of us to improve there for sure. Um, so the point is simply this, that we are responsible. We're responsible for our words. Whether we know it or not, what we say, what we put out there, uh, we are responsible. I wonder if James, because we're going to see as we start into James' text in just a second, we're going to see that he points to responsibility for our words as the very first thing he's going to say about it. And I wonder if he thought of Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus said this, this is huge. I tell you, on the day of judgment, there's a day when every person, whether they believe in God or Jesus or not, doesn't matter. One day, we're all going to stand before God, and every person will give an account for every careless word. That's scary. I'm going to be in that line for a long time. I can just tell you. I've said some things in my life, and, and I'm going to stand, and God's going to say, what did you do with your time? What did you do with your money? What did you do with the people, the relationships I gave to you? Did you destroy them with your words? Did you physically assault him? What did you do? What did you do with the opportunities that he gave you? And he's going to hold us accountable. Like, this is terrifying. We're responsible for what we say. We're responsible for what we type. Now let's turn to James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And here he begins with this idea of responsibility. He says this, Not many of you should become teachers. Now, of course, this isn't just talking about like school teachers or university teachers, but anyone who exercises authority over others. If you're a parent, you have authority over your kids. If you're a boss, you have authority over your employees. And your words have more power than someone else's words. And James is like, guess what? Not only are you responsible for your words, but you're doubly responsible because of the power that you possess. And so he says, not many should become teachers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. This is one of the things that scares me about being a pastor. There's some nice things about being a pastor. And there's some scary things. This is one of the scary ones. This is the ones that keep me up at night. Because it means that God is going to hold me more accountable than many of you for what I say. Because I have this job where I get to talk to hundreds and hundreds of people every week, and I open up this, the sacred word of God, and I'm like, this is what God says, and this is what he means. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. I, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And you know, over the last couple of years, um, a lot of people have been pushing me. They're like, Pastor, you should say something about this political thing that's going on. You should talk about vaccinations. And I just turn to them, I'm like, look... I understand that. I understand these are these are big issues in our time, but I like have grade ten science. Like that's where my science ends. So for me to talk about something that is as advanced as epidemiology, it's it's outside of my wheelhouse. I've spent the last thirty years studying every page of this book, and so when I have questions about medical things, I turn to medical professionals who have spent their lifetime studying the human body and science, and and I ask them for advice and counsel. And I hope that when doctors and lawyers and other professionals have questions about theology, they don't turn to Facebook. But that they come to the pastor who's been spending his lifetime studying what this thing means. Does that make sense? So, so I'm trying to stay in my wheelhouse. And my wheelhouse is this. Hey, I don't understand all the science. I don't understand what's all the appropriate things. But here's what I do know. God is calling us to screen our words. 
our tongue, the things we're saying are doing so much damage uh, because we're not being careful with our words. Does this making sense? Okay, nobody's offended. You all still love me. Uh, great power comes with great responsibility. Here's where he turns to next in, in verse 2. Did somebody say no? Is that uh, what just happened? I don't know. We all stumble in many ways. I love this. Because uh, James is reminding us, and this is important for us all to remember, especially when you feel you are right and someone has wronged you, which will happen in your life, it is important to remember that we all stumble. Let's all read this together. For we all stumble in many ways. Anybody here perfect yet? Okay, no hands have gone. A few people were tempted. <laughs> A few people were tempted. We all stumble. Nobody's got it all together. Sometimes I'm right, you're wrong. Sometimes you're right, I'm wrong. Sometimes you mess up, sometimes I mess up. We all have different areas of weakness. So this is important to remember. James isn't saying that anyone has it all figured. Nobody's turned into Jesus, okay? So we're all working to become like him. We're all working on this, but we stumble in many ways. That's just helpful to know before we get critical and judgmental. Are you with me? And then he goes on to say this. uh, If anyone does not stumble in what he or she says... He's perfect man, perfect woman. Now, it doesn't mean that you've, you're Jesus, you've, you've, got, you've arrived. It means that you're mature, you're complete. You've, you've, attained, uh, you've attained growth to a certain stature where you're now in control. Two-year-olds, when you don't give them a snack, they're not in control of themselves anymore. They lose control. Mature adults are like, I'm hungry, but I'm going to handle it. They control themselves. That's maturity. And so he says that if, if you're able to control your tongue and screen what comes out of it, then you are a mature person able to bridle the whole body. Spiritually mature people do not say whatever comes to their mind. They don't say, well, I'm right, and so I said it. So there. That's not wise and mature people. They do speak truth, but they speak it at the right time. And they speak it in the right way. And they speak it in a way that is beneficial to the hearer. And they do it in a way that is cautious and loving. So spiritual maturity is this ability to control and not just flap, 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 flap. It's so, so important that we that we learn to control our tongues. That's the, the point that he is making. And then he, he goes on with a couple of examples. He says, we put bits into the mouths of horses. This always fascinated me. I used to work at a ranch, and um, it always amazed me that you could have a 1,200-pound horse that can carry people up hills and run super fast. So much power, and yet you could put a 60-pound little girl on the back of that horse with a bit in its mouth. It's like, this way? And they would just control the whole horse's body using a small instrument called the bit. He goes on with another example about ships, and he says, look at ships. Though they're so large and driven by strong winds, he says they're guided. They're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will. So you get this huge ship and the wind's blowing it this way and the captain spins that little wheel and a little tiny flap on the back of the boat turns and the boat turns right into the wind. goes wherever the pilot desires. So we have two examples of something that's small that has great power. He says, so the tongue also, so the tongue also, next verse, is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So he's saying your tongue, even though it seems small and insignificant, it is small in size, but big in impact. Your words have more impact than you know. And I would say this, that your words, what comes out of your mouth and what you type is actually shaping your life. It will shape your relationships. 
You want to find a person? You want to find a good person to marry? Uh, you better get your tongue in order. You want your life to go in a better direction? It's your words. It's the things that you're, you're typing. It's the things that you're communicating. Those words are shaping your very life. They're steering it like a rudder or a bit. So you may be thinking at this point, um, okay, so our words are super powerful. And um, they direct my life, and I'm responsible for my word. So here's, here's the conclusion that you might come to. You might say, well, okay, I'm going to do better then. I'm going to work hard to not say angry, mean things, not to say divisive things. I'm going to say things that are encouraging and life-giving, right? Good idea? You guys with me? So we're all like, yeah, let's do better. But there's a problem. James is going to tell us in the next few verses that as much as we want to say nice things and not mean things, our tongues are sometimes out of control. Here's what he says. It gets really discouraging first, but don't worry. It's going to all turn around at the end. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. You know, we see these stories of forest fires all over our country. And often they're started with one, you know, campfire where it shouldn't have been. And then it takes over, you know, hectares and hectares of forest, destroying everything in its path. Small flame starts a big fire. And the tongue is a fire. The default for our tongues and our words will be devastation, fire, damage, death, as we said earlier. A world of unrighteousness. He continues, the tongue is set among our members staining the whole body. So it's a fire, it's a stain, don't worry, it gets worse. He goes on saying, setting on fire the entire course of life and is set on fire by hell. Woo! That's the power you got in your mouth. The ability to do all kinds, all kinds of damage. I love the fire analogy because um, I said in the first service, words have the ability to scale. Let me explain that. If I want to hurt somebody, I can, I can take my hand, which is also a tool, and I can use my hand to help you, to serve you, to lift you up off the ground. I can do good things with my hand, or I can, I can hit you, I can strangle you. My hand is a tool, can be used for good or for harm, right? It's a tool. But my hand can only hurt or help one person at a time, but my words can scale. I can type something and offend a thousand people all at once. I can speak words and mobilize an entire army if I had the power to do so, to destroy and commit genocide. So our words are scalable in a way that our other tools aren't. That's why words are so, so, so powerful. And James is like, hey, our words are like a fire. Do you know one thing about fires is that when you you play with fire, you often get burned, yes. That's why we don't like kids playing with fires. But the other thing is, is that when you do have to play with fire, you also want to take a very careful consideration to your environment. We'll go camping in the summer, we'll go up to Algonquin with the kids, and on the drive up, there's always signs posted on the main highway that say the risk of fire. You guys have seen those signs? So it'll say the risk is low, you can basically burn wood all day long if you want, or it'll say the risk is medium and you can only burn, have a campfire at nighttime, open flame, or if it's really dry and there's been drought, what's it going to say? Fire ban. No fires, because they know if somebody's like, I want to cook some hot dogs, and they build a little fire in their campsite, those sparks could go up and set an entire forest ablaze. And I want to encourage you that it is important for us, when we use our words, to be aware of the environment we're in. I feel like the last couple of years, through the pandemic, it's been like a tinderbox. Anybody else felt like if you said the wrong thing, you could set everybody off? 
And, and so you have to be cautious at certain times how and when and what you say. And this is all part of understanding how much damage the tongue can do. So he, we move on from there, um, the, the tongue being a fire. And he goes on to say this. This is, this is really important. He says, Every kind of beast and bird, reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. This is true. You can teach an elephant to like stand on one leg. You can, you can teach a lion to open its mouth and you can put your head inside. I don't recommend doing that. On our, uh, we were away on vacation a couple weeks ago. We got to swim with a dolphin. His name was Isaac. I got a picture of the kids here. She gave the dolphin a cue and he started smiling. Which I think is incredible because as a father of four kids, after 18 years, I still can't get them to smile on cue. It's a big fight every time. But this dolphin was better trained than my children. It's like, wow. (laughs) Just throw that out there. And here's the point. James says this in the next verse. He says, no human being can tame the tongue. We can can tame animals. We can can fly to the moon and back, but try controlling what comes out of your mouth, and you're going to fail. Which is a little discouraging, because we know how powerful our words are, and they can set fire and do destruction and all that stuff. And yet, James says, we can't even stop it. We can't control it. He goes on uh, to say this. He says, the tongue is a restless evil. You're like, can it get any worse? It's a restless evil. Actually, it can. He goes on to say, it's full of deadly poison. Sometimes it's not the, it's not the big deal-breaking words. You know, sometimes you can turn to somebody you love and be like, I hate you. And I hope you never do that. But, but if you do that, it can like sever and damage the relationship in a really significant way. Or, or where you lie and you get caught, and it damages trust, right? So there's these big things that you do to one another that can cause harm, but, but our tongue is also full of deadly poison, and sometimes relationships are destroyed with the little criticisms. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those little, like, questioning their judgment, and criticizing the little things, or just looking at them in some way, or, or saying things about them to other people, and it's, it's little, but it's like dropping poison into their glass of water every single day. And some of us have done it, and some of us have been on the other end of it, where we just feel like the life is being sucked out of us. And it all happens through words, because our tongue is a fire, and it's a deadly poison. He goes on to say, with it, with our tongue, with our words, through type and text, We bless the Lord our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We come to church with Jesus, we love you. Then we go home and like, you little brat. It's like there's this huge contradiction in what we the way we speak to God and about God and the way we speak to the people in our lives. It's it shouldn't be so. This is what James is gonna say. This contradiction, this hypocrisy shouldn't be there. He goes on to say, from the same mouth. Oh, sorry, with it, go back, I apologize. Uh, With it, we bless our Lord, and with it, we curse people made in the likeness of God. This is huge. Let me ask you a question. Who does this phrase refer to? Likeness of God. That includes, yeah, thank you. Someone said everyone. It includes everybody. Because here's what we do. We tend to want to put every... This is, this is human nature, okay? This happens inside the church, outside the church. It's human nature to put people into groups and categories. Have you noticed this? It's easy for us um, to group people into categories, us and them. Conservatives, liberals, NDP, white, black, rich, poor. We could just, we could just go through lists and lists of, uh, of people, vaccinated, unvaccinated. Let's, let's throw that one in there just for fun. Okay? Groups of people. But here's the thing. By grouping people into groups, we can go, well, that group's wrong and we're right. And somehow we feel, as humans that if we're right, it gives us the right to wrong other people because they're wrong. But that doesn't work that way. James actually says, look, 
He's like, we bless God with our mouth. And then we curse people who are made in the image of God. It was the, the previous verse. We're made in the image of God. So we have to be very, very cautious how we use our words. You guys follow what I'm saying? Because we're going to be held accountable. The person we're criticizing, the person we're angry with is somebody God loves. And whether we feel it or not, we need to remember um, to screen our words. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. These things ought not to be so. He's going to close his segment on the tongue right here in a, in a couple of verses by giving us two examples. The first is as, uh, as follows. Next verse. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh and salt water? Answer? No. Uh, a spring is either good or it's bad. Your well is either good or bad. It's, it's not going to produce something different each and every day. Uh, he says, can a fig tree, so spring, it's going to be one or the other. A fig tree, can it produce olives? No, thank you. You guys are smart. Will grapevine produce figs? No, no, it won't work. No, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So James closes his conversation about the tongue by saying, look, if your tongue is producing two different things, there's a problem at the source. And what he's going to say is that the tongue problem that we all have is actually not a tongue problem, it's a heart problem. And, and I often wonder whether, as he's writing these words, James was thinking again of the words of his elder brother Jesus, who in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, said this, out of the abundance of the what? Heart, the mouth speaks. What Jesus is saying is that what comes out of your mouth is directly linked to what's in your heart. And so this sermon wouldn't be complete by just saying, hey, we should screen our words so that we don't spread hurtful things. We should control our tongues so we don't do damage and set fires. That's also good. We want to do that. But it has to go deeper than that. Jesus uh, turned and he said to the crowds uh, in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. And everyone's like, yeah, we agree. We don't do that. And then he said, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. And they're like, whoa, whoa, have you met my brother? (laughs) That's what they're thinking. And Jesus says, if you call your brother a fool, you're guilty of hellfire. And they're like, whoa. And what Jesus is trying to point out is that even if they don't pull out the sword or the knife or the gun and do the thing, the seed, the root of the thing is already in their heart. And so we could walk around each and every day and we could be trying to screen our words and be like, I'm not going to say it. I'm angry, but I'm not going to yell. I'm angry, but I'm not going to say those hurtful words. And you're like, contain, contain, contain. Oh, I feel like swearing, but I'm not, I shouldn't swear. So I'm not going to say that word. And so you're like screening, screening, holding it all in. And what's going to happen? You're going to stub your toe and erupt. And usually it's on the people you love the most. Let's be honest. It's amazing how we're able to contain it at work when there's people we're trying to impress. But at home, our spouse, our kids, our closest family get the brunt of the nastiness that pours out of that that sour place within us. And so I guess the point I'm trying to make is simply this, that as we go from this place this week and we're screening our words, we're trying not to say hurtful things, spread poison, spread virus, do all this damage with our mouth. So we're screening, not going to say that, not the right time to say it. We're screening, we're screening, we're screening. At the same time, as those things emerge in our heart, It ought to cause us to fall on our knees and say, God, there's something wrong with my heart. And I need you to change my heart. I need you to change my desires. Because what that person said or did to me offended me and and it hurts. And I'm holding that hurt inside and I don't want to let it go. But I need you to heal. One of the amazing things about what Jesus came to do was that he came to change our hearts. The prophet Ezekiel spoke about the day of Jesus' coming and he said this. 
he said that, uh, that God would take our heart of stone and remove our heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh and write upon our new hearts the law of God. So that we wouldn't just do the right thing because we're supposed to. We wouldn't not say angry things because we're not supposed to, but we would actually desire to love and forgive. So the goal is to have a transformation of heart. So here's, here's what I want to encourage you with as we close and, and pray together. Um, in the coming week, I really want you to be reminded of the, the power of your words. And, and maybe you could have a daily tongue self-screening tool before you say what you feel like you should say, have the right to say, deserve to say, that so you would stop and say, is what I'm about to say true? And maybe it's true and you still shouldn't say it. And you have to ask yourself, is it helpful? Is this, am I saying this because it's true and it makes me feel better? Am I saying it to help the other person? Like, what's the motive? And when you find, and you will, like, like I do, you will find wrong motives in your heart. It's, it's at that moment that you stop screening what comes out of your mouth and you say, God, would you change my heart? Would you give me love and grace where there was none before? Would you help me to forgive? Not because I'm supposed to say I forgive you, but because I truly do forgive. Because only God can do that and only He can change our hearts. And that's my prayer for each and every person here as we go and we think about this. So screening our words, not hurting others with the things we say, but also allowing it to reveal the illness that is found inside of us. And it takes a long time. And many of you know you've been on a journey for a long time trying to change the way you act and the way you speak to others. And, and it's a process by which God refines and changes and removes stuff out of us. And that process continues, but only if we're willing to say, God, change my heart. Take that from me. So would you pray with me today as we close? Father, thank you for every person uh, here today, everyone listening online. That, Lord, today we would, uh, that we would screen our words, that we would understand that you have given us this flap in our mouth that has great power for death, for life, to destroy or to build and encourage. And, Lord, we want to screen our mouth so that we use it for your glory. But, Lord, secondly, we recognize that some of the things that want to come out of our mouths are coming from a heart that is not completely purified. And, Lord, we ask that you would not only help us to conform our words, but transform our hearts and our minds and our thinking. I pray also, Lord, if there's any person listening to me today who has never committed their life to you and decided to follow you and surrendered their life, that they would do so today. Because there's no hope. There's no hope to, to changing our nature without the God who changes hearts. And so I pray they would do that today. Thank you for this uh, morning and for this message and for this time together as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, that wraps it up from us here at Pathway Church. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Please keep up with us on all of our socials. Pathwaylife.com is our website. Follow us on Instagram.com forward slash Pathway Life Church and Facebook.com forward slash Pathway Life. And if you need prayer or care, our staff meets every Tuesday to pray for our people. Pathwaylife.com forward slash care for that. Hope you guys have a great week and we hope to see you real soon. Bye.